We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. If y'all ready, give me a hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I'm in my first year really experiencing and living the guillotine league lifestyle. In fantasy football, we are down to two teams in my guillotine league, and those two teams are helmed by me and Paul Charchi. Here we are this year, me versus you for all the money. It's been fascinating. I know you're a big fantasy football guy, yeah, um, and I know Studs is as well. He's bragging. I'm in. Uh, f- I'm in five leagues. Yeah. I'm in four championships. Oh, good for you! And how was it? I hope it was good because it's useless now, isn't what it? What happened in that one? <laughs> So what happened was I drafted Cooper Cup in the first round and he and he got hurt. That wasn't a real and, question. And that team yeah. that team went downhill. So. Well, nobody cares. He's a fool. Call somebody who cares. I fully admit that nobody cares about your specific fantasy team, but we all care about our own fantasy team. Please let him miss this kick and let me win this game. God, we are one gimme field goal away from an all MacArthur Shiva Bowl. Do not jinx him. Jenny, there's no jinxing. You got a top five kicker for a 37 yarder with no wind in the middle. Silence! There's the Here snap. we go. Clean snap. Snap is good. Do it at top. Looks good. It'll post! Post! Okay, I know you're upset right now, but next week you're gonna be so relaxed. I won! It's an Xmas miracle! One, two, three, and here we go, Tim. Here we go. Here we go, Tim. The Parkinson Spiegel Show, afternoons from 2 to 6 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Remix, right here on a Wednesday. It is Gabe Ramirez, Mark Shanowski filling in for the fellas. We even got a remix on the production side. Adam Stasinski here in place of Shane and Tanny. I see what you did with the open. <laughs> Dude, the league is one of my favorite all-time shows. Have you ever seen? Oh, that? I'm so have, glad yeah, you caught yeah. that. Dude, that's it was such a funny show. That I thought there was not like, a lot of people watched. I thought there was like five people that were going to get that. No way, dude. The <laughs> Shibo Bowl? Are you kidding me? Like the reason I even became a big fan of a guy like Nick Kroll was because of the league and seeing things like that. Uh, Mark, you in? Any, you in any fantasy leagues? No, no, but I did watch the league. Yeah, I, <laughs> devo- devotedly. Okay, that was hilarious. Chicago-based. You always yeah. saw him at Gibson's downtown, kind of feeling good. Uh, all right, so uh, we're going to not necessarily be talking about fantasy football right now. We do get to have a, a wonderful time, four hours of talking Bears, talking some Bulls. Of course, we get to talk a little bit of Cubs later right. on That'll in the show. Uh, got your guy Luke Stuckmeyer coming on and hanging out with us. So it's going to be a good one, but I think that it, it's it's fitting that we just start the whole thing off with these Chicago Bulls, Mark. Uh, first and foremost, I mean, obviously you, Stacey King, guys are hosting Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast, now available on the Odyssey app. Yeah, it's a great partnership. We're really excited about it. We announced it about three weeks ago. A great to be a part of the family right now. Uh, the ability to uh, distribute the show, have that network muscle behind us has been really good. So Stacy and I and Tim Kelly are really excited about it, and we're looking for bigger and better things in the new year. How is it, though? Because you got to, you know, it's a podcast, so it's not like you're on the air. Sure. But you, but So you get to give your opinion, but like how... How how truthful can you be in this thing? Are you 100% going in, like giving full-on opinions on the Bulls, exactly how you feel about this team and the present and such? 
Well, sometimes Stacy's opinions before we start are a little bit different than exactly what he says on the <laughs> air. The prep, he, still the is a, he still is an employee of the Chicago <laughs> yeah, Bulls. So okay. you, you definitely want to uh, pull your punches a little bit. But, you know, Stacy is an optimistic guy anyway. So he's he he likes what the possibilities are with this Bulls roster. The unfortunate thing right now is any Bulls fan knows who's been watching the team this year is they've been just maddeningly inconsistent and they have been so unsuccessful in close games. Last year, they were top five in the league in winning what they call clutch games when you're within five points in the last five minutes of the game. They were winning a ton of close games. We remember this time last year when DeMar DeRozan hit the the shots on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day to win games. And they got off to that great start with Lonzo Ball being the maestro of the offense. And it's amazing to think that taking Lonzo Ball away has relegated them from being a team that was top four in the East to a team that's fighting to get into the play-in. You know, when Lonzo Ball came into the league, he was the second pick by the Lakers. He came in with that janky jump shot at UCLA. <laughs> and I was I was wondering, is this guy going to be any good? And he didn't play that well with the Lakers. He went down to New Orleans, started to be more productive. And then, of course, they decided to commit to other players instead of him. And basically, when the Bulls pursued Lonzo as hard as they did, they said, well, all right, you can have him. Just give us uh, something back in terms of player and draft compensation. But... I never thought that Lonzo Ball was the critical piece in this whole Bulls mix. And apparently that is true because they are not the same team with Lonzo Ball out, which is which is terrifying because we don't know when or if Lonzo will play again this year. We don't even know when or if Lonzo Ball will play again. That knee issue is very puzzling not only to Lonzo but to the doctors and the Bulls organization. The hope is maybe after the All-Star break he can start ramping it up, but, but – he hasn't played basketball in almost a year now. And when it's when he's finally ready to test it, it's going to take weeks, if not months, for him to get confidence in the knee and build up his conditioning to the point where he can be an impact player in an NBA game. Sure, maybe you could throw him on the court, come off the bench, play 10 or 15 minutes, but he's not going to change the balance of the season if he's playing at 75% of his capabilities. I think that's exactly where, where Bulls fans need to be at right now, mentally, Mark, is that you need to be in a, in a space where – you're evaluating this team, understanding that Lonzo Ball probably is not going to play basketball this year. No. And, and you know, you've heard, okay, well, he, he was supposed to come back in September. Then you heard January. Then you heard the All-Star break. And then you heard that he's not even doing anything. So, again, I mean, it's difficult to be in a headspace as a Bulls fan to try to argue for this team because that's essentially what we're all left with, arguing for a team that can still get it together because Lonzo Ball is coming back later in the season. But you bring up a really good point is that no one knew – that Lonzo Ball was going to be the key piece. I think even as, as, as an NBA fan, you just didn't realize how critical his role was going to be on this team because he's the kind of guy that likes to make everybody else better. Right. He is is selfless while, while at the same time still has the ability to to get his shot off and score points for your team. And I think that's why he enjoyed playing for the uh, with the Bulls is because he didn't have to have that pressure. He didn't have to be the man and take those shots in the final moments. But – those struggles are there, and I think with this Bulls team, and you, you touched on DeMar as well, Mark, you know, it's tough because games like the ones that just happened, it gets highlighted, the Bulls struggles when DeMar, you know, is missing shots. When he shoots at a high percentage, everything's okay, right? But it's when he's missing those few, especially in a row, because then do you feel, like I do, that then the other guys, Vooch, Zach, then say to themselves, well, you know, you missed a couple in a row. I probably would have made something along those lines. Now it's my turn to shoot the ball. Well, defense has become somewhat of a lost art in the NBA in these modern times. Scoring is way up. Uh, teams are just shooting crazy amounts of three-point attempts. But 
when you let an NBA team set up in their half-court defense, it's going to be tougher to score. And both DeMar and Zach Levine are primarily isolation players. They don't really move them off the ball a lot off screens. They're not really catch and shoot Zach a little bit, but DeMar hardly at all. You know, he's strictly an isolation guy. But going back to Lonzo, when he was on the court, he would get you at least a half a dozen easy baskets every game. Those are gone now. You're not getting the throw-ahead, the long outlet pass where you're getting an easy basket in transition. And when it was Lonzo and Caruso in the backcourt, they were terrorizing opposing teams. Lonzo would blow up ball screens. Caruso would would get in the passing lanes, get deflections and steals, and that was leading to those half a dozen easy baskets. Now it's become more of a chore because you're trying to get all your scoring in the half court. And they don't really have a a number of great three-point shooters either. Lonzo Ball shot like 41%, from three-point line, and that was on seven attempts per game. So it wasn't like he was just making one or two a game. He was really a factor. Now they're they're missing his three-point shooting. They're missing his defense. They're missing his court vision, and it's made made them into an isolation kind of team. And some days that works, like you mentioned, when DeMar's hitting his shots, when Zach's able to get to the hoop or shooting a good percentage from three, Vooch is making his threes, everything looks good. But when those those shots aren't falling, they don't have anything else to go to right now, and that's really been the problem. But They've got to improve their defense. You know, you give up 133 points to Houston. You give up 150 points to the Minnesota Timberwolves a couple of Sundays ago. That, that just can't happen. I mean, there's no there's no reason you, you can't say, well, well, they don't have Lonzo Ball, so they can't defend. I mean, that that's just not right. That doesn't make any sense. And then so many people put put the pressure on Zach Levine by himself. They're like, well, it's Zach. Well, no, right? It's a, yeah, it's too easy. It's too easy. It's too yeah. easy of, a, of a, an escape right there. You you have to put it on the Bulls as a whole. And you know, we were talking earlier about the perimeter defense of the Chicago Bulls and. You know, you, you said, you know, a lot of these guys are getting wide open shots and they're they're making them. And I just tend to think, Mark, like, it's just the Bulls shooters aren't as good as the other teams. That's part of the problem. You know, you're, you're looking at a guy like Quinn Grimes when they, play, when they played the Knicks or, you know, just any any of the sharpshooters on these other teams. And you look at the Bulls and you're really hoping that it's, you know, a Kobe White. Patrick Williams is leading your team in three-point percentage. So, like, that shouldn't be the guy. You know, you're, you're, you want it to be Javante Green. You want it to be Derek Jones Jr., but they just can't hit at the same rate as, these, as some of these other teams. Well, that's one of the reasons why Nikola Vucevic spent so much time camped out at the three-point line. He's, by percentage, he's one of their better three-point shooters. So you've got your seven-foot center, 25 feet away from the basket. So if you do have an isolation possession where DeMar is facing a double team and is trying to get off a difficult 15- to 17-foot shot – Vooch is standing at the three-point line as an outlet. He's not underneath the basket for the potential of an offensive rebound and a put-back basket. The only guy that you watch consistently go to the offensive glass is Patrick Williams. But generally, he'll be going in there against three three front-line players of the other team that are ringing the basket. It's hard for him to get in there. So second-chance opportunities aren't as great because you've chosen to have your seven-footer as an outlet three-point shooter, and that's just part of the offense. You go, you go on the bench unit, there's not a lot of shooting they can bring off the bench. Kobe White is the one guy that, that can get hot, but he's also you know kind of inconsistent. He's one of those uh, heat check kind of guys. You know When he's got it going, keep shooting Kobe, but if he misses one, then all of a sudden you're gonna, Billy will go away from him and get him out of the and game. And that's the tough part with him too, right, where he, he even struggles himself to find a rhythm because if he misses one, then he's all of a sudden thinking, well, I took a possession away from Zach. Or DeMar, and now when's the next time I'm going to get in that place? I, it's Mark Shanowski, Gabe Ramirez here on 670 The Score, filling in for Parkins and Spiegel. Uh, you mentioned Vooch a second ago, lowest rebound total of the year uh, against the Houston Rockets uh, the other day with, with only three. That was tough to see. They had a lengthy, young team that, that was obviously extremely energetic, um, but but they, they, they did get into their struggles when they were missing shots, and I feel like the reason was, Mark, th- there isn't that definitive person who you then say, 
well, we're really struggling, and now we go to this guy when Zach, DeMar, and Vooch are all on the floor together. So my question to you would be, in a perfect world, where does the offense start in terms of which player uh, on this Chicago Bulls roster? Where, where, where are you particularly, or where would you prefer the offense start, and who would it start through? Well, right now they don't have a, a pure point guard. You know, Io DeSumo's played that position some of the time. Goran Dragic has come off the bench and played point guard, but they don't really have the guy that's going to be orchestrating the offense for 35 to 40 minutes a night like they would have if Lonzo Ball were healthy. So it really has been trying to figure it out by committee as to who's going to initiate the offense, who's going to make the right reads, who's going to make the passes to get things going. And all too often what happens is you've got DeMar or Zach Levine dribbling the ball in the perimeter, shot clock's under 10. and then 10 feet it, behind the three-point line, then, walking Then it it's up to them to try to create a shot. And that's not the best formula for success, even though both those guys are great one-on-one scorers. You would like to have an, an, an offense where guys are moving, where there's screens off the ball, where there's opportunities to get outlet passes to guys who can consistently make shots. But Patrick Williams has been a reluctant shooter at times. As you mentioned, he, he still is, by percentage, their, their best three-point shooter, but he doesn't have a whole lot of attempts. Vooch will will take a lot of three point shots, but you know Stacy keeps you know demanding he get down to the post and try to try to get, operate down there. But the way the offense is set up, you know, it really is very isolation heavy. And when it when they're making their shots, it looks really good, but there's just not enough opportunities in transition to get those easy baskets. So who are you running it through though? Who are you, if you let's say we did have the point guard that you wanted? I mean, who were you running into? Because I, I, I did something a week ago where I said, you know, they're, 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 it feels like the roles aren't defined enough. And so I, I came up with, you know, your superstar, your sidekick, and your third wheel. You know, you go on a date with a couple, you're the third wheel. And then I said, <laughs> if you were to put these superstars into these respective roles, not, not that they're there right now, but if you, in, your, in your own perfect world, how would you have that operate? And that's, what I'm, that's the answer I'm really looking for from you. Is who, who, would, who would you say, this is our superstar, this is the guy that we go through I don't, when things are rough, when times are tough, this is the guy that we give the ball to. We operate the, the offense through him. And then you got the secondary guy, and then you got the guy that cleans it up. That's usually how it operates in the NBA when you got three you know, decent guys on a team. Well, the way the team is currently constructed, DeMar DeRozan should be their number one offensive option. He's the most efficient scorer that they have. He's a, his ability to get to the free throw line is, is as good as anybody in the league. So you want a guy that can get you some easy baskets, and, and he's the guy that can create his own shot against just about anybody. So I think the offense needs to run through him in isolation situations. But what I'd like to see more of is, is trying to run the offense through Nikola Vucevic, either in the mid post or in the post, where you dump the ball inside, get some movement on the weak side, and maybe get some open shots that way. Right now, all too often, the shot clock's winding down and somebody's got to create a shot on their own. I think they need to use Vuce's ability to pass uh, as, as more of a primary option in the offense and not as something that they only go to maybe eight to ten times a game because he can score down low. He's also a willing passer. He'll kick the ball you know, to the short corner on the other side, on the weak side, to get an open three for Patrick Williams or Colby White or whoever else might be in the game at that time. So I think that they need to use Vooch's passing ability more, and DeMar is your outlet in terms of creating shots late in the clock. I think Zach should come off screens and be more of a three-point shooter because he's shown that he's got ability in catch-and-shoot situations. That's where he's most effective as a three-point shooter, and he's not been finishing at the rim as a high, as a high percentage as he used to. So really, I think what they've got to do with the personnel they have right now is, you know, they're not all of a sudden overnight going to turn into a great three-point shooting team. So run the <laughs> right. offense through Vooch, get yourself some clean looks, and then you go to either DeMar or Zach to bail you out in late clock situations. Yeah, no one is better around the rim than Vooch. 
on, on the Bulls roster right. right now. I mean, he finishes at such a high rate. I mean, he can score on pretty much anyone. He just he, he looks so good. It's, you know, from five feet, you just every time the ball leaves his hands in that space, you, the assumption is that it's going to go in. And even even his, his mid range game, when you see Vooch off the pick and roll, not you know taking a step back to the three point line, staying within that twelve to fifteen foot range, he hits those consistently. I love seeing him smack those consistently when when uh, when Zach's looking for him. My number one guy was going to be Zach Levine and, and because I just felt like he needs to be mentally involved more so that that way he can play at a higher level. I think sometimes he's, he, he feels slighted in certain moments on the team, Mark. And so I feel like if, if he was then deemed like, yeah, bro, this is your team, this is you, this is your, your situation, because DeMar, he's just a, a super professional. And I think a lot of times, and you just touched on it, you know, when the shot clock's running down, they're giving the ball to Zach, and then he's forced to take a tough shot, and then you know he's open to criticism in those moments. Oh, well, that was a bad shot. Well, yeah, there was four left on the shot clock. I just got it with nine seconds left. This is what I thought would be the best. Where I feel like if the roles were reversed and say Zach had it initially and he ran into some situations and then had to get rid of it to a secondary guy like Vooch or you know, then to DeMar. DeMar is fully capable of pump faking a guy 10 times and then making a, a, a 12-footer at that space. But I agree with you wholeheartedly for that second space, Vooch. I think he's underutilized. I think a lot of times he's trying to fit in to those spaces. Um, but I, I, I think the, the key, and this is something that we kind of opened with, you know, is, is finding that point guard that can do that. And that's why I've been pushing hard as hell for Goran Dragic to be the starting point guard for the Bulls. I think he mirrors Alonzo more so than anyone else in terms of getting the best out of the other players, having that veteran leadership to be able to get – have the guys look at you a certain way. We've seen that camaraderie with Zach in these last couple of games, but he went from, from IO to, to Alex Caruso. What were your thoughts on that move? And, and my stupid, I don't know, idea to have <laughs> Dragic in there. Well, started. the concern about Dragic is he's 35 years old and he's played a ton of time in the league. Also, he plays for his national team just about every summer. So he plays a ton of basketball. And I think they were, the plan at the outset was that they would manage his minutes as best they could. And that, Hopefully they get into the playoffs and his role maybe could expand a little bit. But um, right now he has been playing more because Billy trusts him. He's got good camaraderie with uh, with Andre Drummond and some of the guys on the second unit. And I think that because of the fact he can run pick and roll, he can make three point shots, he can also finish uh, at the rim. I think that he's your best offensive option from the point guard position. But they they do want to be careful of his minutes. You know, he took that shot a couple of weeks ago where he had a collision. He yeah, hurt his neck. That's tough. And then and then he wasn't playing much. And then when he first came back, he was struggling a little bit. You know so. what? I, you know what I had in my mind, Mark, a Ron Harper role, where you know you're the guy that starts. You don't necessarily have to finish the games. That's where you can put in right. an IO or an Alex in that space to be the defend, defensive guard in those moments. But see, that's where we are right now. Where we're talking about Goran Dragic <laughs> to save the season for the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, I, I'm going deep, Mark. <laughs> I don't. I don't think anybody would have thought when training camp convened that we'd be sitting here close to January one, saying, "You know what? If they just played Goran Dragic more, the season's going to turn around instantly." I'm reaching, man. Yeah. I, I'm looking at this team and I can't think of anything else. He's what about sh- Marco Simonovic? We had to test him off. <laughs> hey, see what he can do. Right? He made a good, a good uh, buzzer beater the other day for the Windy City Bulls. Yeah. Uh, but, but I, I mean, I, that's where we're at. You're absolutely right Mark is that we're at a place where we're watching this Bulls team and you see them you know rattle off three victories and, and you, you said it as well you know th- those games could have gone either way but it's not like those three games fixed anybody yeah and if you missed uh, earlier one of the Bucks beat writers was on the show with uh, Layla and Lawrence and said that both Middleton and Holiday are out tonight 
So that that's a chance to win that game. Although Milwaukee's going to be a little steam because the the Bulls beat them uh, yeah. at five star form in the last meeting. I don't think they care about that stuff. <laughs> no, no, like probably not. But I mean, Milwaukee's coming off yeah. three straight losses. They had a yeah. really tough road trip. They lost at Cleveland, at Brooklyn, at Boston. So you know they're trying Two to figure teams. things out too. Middleton. One of the things that uh, the guest mentioned was that um, Middleton is concerned about his knee injury. You know, he told him that he feels like there's something loose in his knee and. That's not good. You know, Middleton has mileage on him as well, and he's been really the co-star with Giannis. He was huge in their championship run a couple of years ago. Uh, if he's not available, Milwaukee could sink in the East. But, you know, getting back to the Bulls, their schedule, too, has got no favors in the next couple of weeks. You yeah. know, they got, they've got a couple of games against Cleveland. Cleveland is red hot right now. They've got to play Milwaukee tonight. They've got some games against the West that are tough. The next 10 days could be really telling in where which direction this franchise is going to go because you know AK and Mark Eversley don't hold weekly press briefings seems like nobody in this town does other than Rick Hahn Rick Hahn's the one guy that's that's always seems to be available (laughs) he's ready but you know we don't know what the front office is thinking they're seeing the same things we are they signed Billy Donovan to an extension by all reports the working relationship between Arturis Karnischewicz and Billy is excellent so there's not going to be any change in the coaching staff that means if they continue to lose, something's got to be done with the roster. The trade deadline is February 9th, which will be here before you know it. They're going to have to make some hard decisions on this team. And if, if this tough schedule doesn't go well over the next two or three weeks, I think that's going to push AK in a direction that maybe he, he doesn't want to go. But DeMar has one year left on his contract. If he's going to stay a bull, he's going to want to get an, an extension, some new money this summer. So you have to decide, are you going to keep going forward with this group? Vucevic is a free agent at the end of the year. By all reports, talks on an extension for him have really gone nowhere. So they've got some hard decisions to make. And it's not all about the fact that you know they're not winning as many games as they want. Contract situations factor in as well. And we hear rumors that the Knicks are still interested in Zach Levine. He just signed that five-year deal. Would you trade Zach a half year into a new contract. So all options are on the table if they continue to lose. So it'll be really fascinating to watch. Yeah, these next two weeks are definitely going to determine how much the phone will be ringing for the Chicago yeah. Bulls. Uh, he is the host of the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast, now available on the Odyssey app. Of course, his name is Mark Shinowski. I'm Gabe Ramirez. We are both filling in for Parkins and Spiegels today. And when we come back on the other side, there is a quarterback in the NFL, top-tier quarterback, that has some high praise for Justin Fields. Who is he and what did he say? We'll discuss it on the other side. It's Mark Shanowski, Gabe Ramirez, right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Those network nitwits wouldn't know a decent announcer from a Ken doll. Do you see what this is? Yeah, your hand. That's my fist. When I close it while we're on the air, you close your mouth. That's the most important skill in this job. That's you talking. That's you shutting up. Comprende? Afternoons on the score. Like the Eagles a week ago, the Bills have hit over 400 yards of offense. Bears have the time of possession by a couple. Third down and goal. Four-yard line, Allen from center. Fakes the handoff, rolling to the near side. Allen tucks. Allen runs. He's into the end zone for the touchdown. 
All the way from left to right, the keeper from four and Josh Allen with his seventh rushing touchdown extends the lead to 27-13. Jeff Joniak with the call right there on WBBM AM. I, I'm waiting for a greatest hits album of Tom Thayer's noises that he makes during the game because I I, I make them too. He's that, one of us. He's one of us. Yeah. And so he's like, ah, oh. <laughs> yes, yes. Suffering through three hours of Bears football. Uh, but you know what? Uh, we still got to see, you know, the quarterback of our future, Mark. That's what they say, right? You no, know, that's a great thing. Everybody's talking about how the Bears could have a second pick in the draft, but they don't have to worry about yeah. getting a quarterback. the best thing ever. You've got that position. Now you, you still have about uh, – 10 to 15 that you got to fill <laughs> at least but you know they have the quarterback spot and that's going to be an enviable position because teams that want to reach for a quarterback they may offer you a boatload of picks so yeah. they're sitting in a nice place there Bears have been in that position before trying to move up to the number two spot to yeah that doesn't work someone. out too well <laughs> but you give up a lot nonetheless you do right? you give up a ton uh, but the guy we got is really good Justin Fields I mean Obviously, not only with his legs, but he's made some incredible throws. There's the highlight that's been passing through the throw to uh, Valus Jones Jr., mm-hmm. where it kind of just sailed on its own. It almost looks like the wind took it, and, and the defender was still there, but Valus somehow you know, was speedy enough to get to that place. And the guy who saw it up close and personal and had some very, very high praise for our quarterback, Justin Fields. Of course, I'm talking about none other than Josh Allen. Listen to what he said about our guy. There was an interesting article in the Chicago Tribune, and it was about Justin Fields. And I know you love quarterbacks, and I saw you talk to him after the game. And the idea was Josh Allen is what Justin Fields could become in a few years. These are big athletes who run well and throw well. Do you see that in him? Do you see the kind of potential to do what you're doing right now in Fields? Well, again, I think everybody's their own their own guy. I don't think he's going to be the next me. I think he's going to be the next him. Um, yeah. He's a, he's a special talent. He really is. He can He can spin the rock. Um, obviously you see what he can do in the open field running wise. And, you know, as quarterbacks, we don't want to be known as running quarterbacks. We want to be quarterbacks that can run. And, um, actually that's the progression that, uh, is next for him. And, um, you know, I got, I got no doubt that, you know, he, he'll be there. He's a, he's a special talent and he seems like a, a really good kid and the organization and the teammates love him. Um, he works hard. He doesn't complain. Um, so yeah, I'm, 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 I'm obviously pulling for him. I'm, uh, big fan of his. That was Josh Allen on Kyle Brandt's basement. That's an Apple podcast that's out there right now. Mark, when you hear something like that and you hear guys like Von Miller say things like, oh, he could could be one of the best quarterbacks ever. Do you look at that as just, you know, the fraternity of football players just, you know, praising a guy that's one of theirs? Or do you really genuinely believe in what they're saying? I think there's a little bit about the fraternity aspect that you're always going to try to hype up a young guy coming into the league. But at the same point, you know, I don't think they're going to lie about someone's potential. And I think when people watch Justin Fields, physically he looks the part. You know, 6'3", 220 pounds, rocket arm, got probably the fastest quarterback in the league in terms of uh, straight-line speed. You know, there's no reason why he can't become one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Right now he's playing behind a patchwork offensive line. He has a substandard group of receivers, and he's doing the best he can. You know, his completion percentage is going to move up year after year because he's going to have better surrounding personnel. I mean, especially the first half of the season, he was running for his life. And, that, and that's why a lot of times you're throwing the ball away. You're, you're not getting a chance to scan the field for open receivers. And, and I think a lot of the criticism, you remember at the beginning of the year, people were saying Justin Fields was a bust and why did the Bears take him and all the rest of it. And, and so many people have done a 180 on Justin Fields. It's kind of amazing. Now you're seeing some of the detractors coming back because he hasn't done as well you know, in the last couple of games. They're like, well, you know, he still isn't a high percentage uh, completion guy. But 
as I mentioned, when you're running for your life and you don't have a chance to really look downfield and see what's out there, your completion percentage is going to be low. And I think he showed at Ohio State that he can make all the throws. He's really good with the deep ball, which when he has a speed receiver who can who can really create some separation, you're going to see that in years to come. And, and I think that he's going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league before he's done. Of course. I mean, when you're looking at where there's space for him to improve, Mark, you, you see that. And I think you touched on it. And it's something that I talked a ton about. It is completion percentage improvement. But, you know, a guy that he just faced who was dealing with the same issues is Jalen Hurts. His first three years in the league, each year he improved on his completion percentage. Why? Because the team got better around him. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at Justin Fields, the reason why so many people are asking for that high completion percentage, because he did it at Ohio State. You just said you watched every one of his games while he was playing there. You know, he did it at Georgia. He completed at a very high rate. But what did he have there? He was throwing it to studs like Garrett Wilson. He had a great offensive line. And so if he can kind of duplicate that here at the NFL level, he can get to that, that, that space. I'm concerned about the yards. I've, granted, you might be able to complete more percentage, but I, that's my, when I look at Justin Fields and I'm like, do I see him being like a Justin Herbert where he's throwing 300 yards a game? Do you envision that? Yeah, we haven't seen that at all. Uh, you know, you look at Josh Allen's numbers, his rookie year, he didn't do anything. Even on Sunday or Saturday. Yeah. hundred and some yards. So, you know, it was a process for him. Obviously, he's very athletic. He can run the ball like Justin Fields, and and he learned when to take his shots downfield. When he needs to run, he does. You know, with the offense, when the Bears had that many by, they basically changed the whole offense. They had designed runs for Justin Fields. Of course, then he got hurt, and they've kind of backed away from some of that. But, yeah, the, the final step for him is going to be proving that he can make the throws downfield, he can stay in the pocket, he can read defenses, and he can complete passes at a higher percentage. I think that's all going to be a function of not only his growing experience in the league, but having better personnel around him. I mean, that the offensive line has been in tatters all season long. Yeah. Guys are moving from tackle to guard, guard to tackle. You know, Center centers are getting beat up. You know, it just it's been impossible to keep five guys as a unit in front of him. And the receiver position, you know, they made the trade for Chase Claypool, and then immediately he got hurt, and he's been a non-factor. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the outside receivers uh, haven't been around either. Yeah, so let me ask you this. because You're so nice, Mark. You're such a nice guy, saying nice things about everybody. But if I were to ask you, what's the, what's the thing you dislike the most about Justin Fields? What would you say? Uh, or his game, not him. He's a nice yeah, guy. Yeah, I think just just the fact that he's got to become more of a full-field uh, read. You know, he can't just look at one side of the field and say I've either got to pass here or else I'm going to tuck it and run right that would be my one criticism is that sometimes he's too quick to look at his first read that guy's covered I'm running David Montgomery's open on the other side because we've seen you know if especially if you look at the all 22 you see times where there's a guy on, on the weak side of the field that's, that's running all by himself with his hand in the air going, hey I'm over here and and again that goes back to the offensive line he doesn't have a lot of time but that's also something that he's going to have to learn that my first read may be covered but if I step up in the pocket just maneuver side to side, you know, like hate to bring up the Aaron Rodgers, but that's what made him so great is his ability to move in the pocket, you know, create some space where he can survey the field and make an accurate throw. That's the next step for Justin Fields. He's got to improve his completion percentage by being able to see his second and third reads. And you saw that a lot with uh, Josh Allen as well. Had a ton of time to throw the ball, not a lot of pressure around him. And you saw he was able and had the ability to make the right decision in, in those kinds of situations coach Eberflus said that you know there could be some some positive long-term effects if the bears were to win these next two games uh, do you see that even being a possibility even if the bears are to play to their you know to the best ability that they can muster up 
do you think they even have a chance to win these games in that space? Well, I think there's a chance that they could they could win at Detroit this week. You know, it's okay. going to be a, a dome game. The Lions are kind of hanging on to the possibility of having a playoff chance. But, you know, you take the cold weather out of it, you know, benign conditions where maybe Fields going to have a good throwing game instead of always relying on his legs. But, you know, whether they win one of these last two games or not, to me, is totally insignificant. You know, it's not. It's not like momentum is going to carry over. There's not going to be a life lesson training camp in July. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I don't. I don't buy into that at all. I mean, it, there's been a lot of discussion that, yeah, they're trying to win because you have to create a winning culture. Yeah. You know, I think that's nonsense. I, I always listen to Dave Wanstead on Thursday afternoons, who's great, by the yeah. way. Yeah. is fantastic, and you know, he always talks about you know if you have a veteran team that largely is going to return intact for the following season, yeah, then maybe you want to win some games late in the year that's going to create a little bit of a momentum with guys are going to work harder in the offseason and they'll be able to build on that. But when you've got a young team and when you have a roster that's going to have huge turnover coming up, you know, <laughs> you this care. winter, you know, there, yeah. there's only how many guys would you consider core players yeah, on this team? Not, I probably Eight, can't ten. count them on two hands. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's going to be so much turnover on the roster. Why do you care? At this point, the draft position is premium because if you can make that home run trade, for a team that's desperate for a quarterback, you can set yourself there. up for years to come, given the fact they also have, what, over $100 million to yeah. spend in free agency. Yeah. They could make – we see all the time in the NFL teams go from last to first or last to wild card. There's no reason why the Bears couldn't make that jump if they make the right moves. But there's a ton of work for Ryan Poles to do. You know, He's got to rebuild the offensive line almost completely. He needs same thing with he the needs a couple line. of pass rushers. He needs another good linebacker. <laughs> another nice corner would be good and receivers. So other than that, you know, you're asking they, him to go be the GM of a different team right now. <laughs> Mark, let's not, well, he's let's got not the he's that. got the resources, and yeah. you know he'll be judged on, on what he can do this off season because we've talked about you know key off seasons in Bears history. This is one of them. Yeah. Well, uh, fortunately, we get an opportunity. To ask a guy, I already know the answer to the question, but we get to ask him <laughs> what the importance is of these last two games. Him and I had an in-depth conversation about just this and what does it mean to players that are actually playing on the field. Of course, I'm talking about former Bear Corey Wooten. He's going to hang out with us on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez, Mark Shinowski, host of the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast, filling in for Parkers and Spiegel, and we'll be talking to Corey Wooten right after this at 670 to score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.